This is the John Oakley Show podcast. All right, let's get busy. We've got a busy agenda. Topics worthy of discussion for Pizzaville. Dial pound 3636. Joining us every Thursday, it's like clockwork. Peter Sherman, broadcaster, businessman, and former conservative MPP. How's the Shermanator? I just turn up every Thursday. I ride the Oakley train to success, and I'm happy to be with you. That's right. This train is still at the station. Uh, <laughs> David Wells, Senior Vice President of Media Profile. That's a leading Toronto public relations agency. How's Mr. Wells? He's pretty good. He's waiting on the platform with his Presto card in hand, ready to board the train that Peter just talked about. Okay, uh, but I notice you're using the 12-year-old's Presto card. You're trying to scam the system, are you? You better well, not be. <laughs> I could, I, I, you know, thank you for the compliment that I could pass for 12, but uh, I'm a, I am a law-abiding citizen, oh, always. Okay. Just wanted, yeah, those are your bona fides. We'll take you at your word. Stephen Holliday, rounding out the panel, Deputy Mayor, Council Ward 2 at Tobago Centre. How's Stephen? All aboard. I'm doing great. Got my ticket in my pocket, and I pay my fare. <laughs> well, listen, uh, let's just talk about uh, people paying more than their fair share. It's uh, tax time, I guess. Again, in the city of Toronto, the budget was just cobbled together. You were there. Now, it was a vote of 21 to 3 to hike taxes, property taxes, by 4.2%. Do I have that right? Yeah, there's a few parts to the way that the budget is voted upon, and the first thing we do is we... Uh, as part of the way that we do this as a strategy is we will put a tack into what the tax increase is. And then the second half of the debate and the second half of the votes is how we spend the money. And if we don't set the tax rate first, then there's a, an old tradition on previous councils that it's a free-for-all with all sorts of ideas. And then they tally it all up at the end and they calculate the tax rate. So it's a smart strategy. And yes, the vote was uh, was uh, three against and it was myself, Councillor Ford and Peruzza. And that's because this was the final crystallization of that one one and a half percent special levy that was added to the tax rate. So it was really a two percent budget plus a one and a half percent city building levy. And, you know, our stance on that was pretty clear in the past. Right. And then there was another point zero seven percent thrown in for good measure, wasn't there, or 0.7%? Uh, and, that, and maybe that's the school tax you're referring to, and that's the school levy. Okay. Uh, so it works out to over four. That's the total bill to and the taxpayer. And they send that to the uh, province? Uh, it goes to the school system, yeah, and that, it's separate from us. Okay. Well, regardless, it's uh, all in at 4.2, and you're saying, what, that is reasonable, or you voted that down? Well, uh, the city building levy aside... I'm okay with the balance of the budget. There wasn't a whole lot of tinkering by this city. And the comments I made, because, you know, my colleagues stand up and they cry poor every time and they try to move motions to add more taxes. I think there's a study coming on a parking tax. The vehicle registration tax was voted down again, thank goodness. My comments are just general. I mean, as a government, we need to pay attention to the services that we're doing. We're not doing anything more magical for citizens of the city. But we seem to be growing in those uh, type of income support services, and I call them transfer of income um, concepts. And I'm not really sure that the that the that the municipal government should be in those businesses. It should be up to the the federal and provincial governments. But when we take on daycare subsidies, um, it's a business that doesn't stop growing. And uh, I don't know how you put that on the property taxpayer. That's an interesting question. I mean, uh, when it comes to those matters, because people complain, uh, you know, the city's getting far too expensive and uh, out of the reach of many. It's not a livable city, and uh, you will, you know, hollow out a certain demographic. David Wills, I mean, should the city be in the business of providing daycare subsidies and things like that? Well, I think if you talk to the people who use those services, they're desperately needed. And if you want to argue that another level of government should be 
taking up that responsibility, that's fine, but they're not. But I think it's one thing, you know, we, we tend to look at this city budget at this number, 4.4 increase, that's outrageous. If you look at the, the budget in another measure, what does the city pen, spend per citizen? It's been going down. So we have this feeling that we're paying more and getting less, and that's because we are paying more and we're getting less. So the when you look at the increases over the last 10 years, and I looked at the city documents today, 91% of the increases in the budget are addressed to EMS and the TTC. So saying that there are these income transfer programs that are driving things up is actually not true. We're spending more on police, more on fire, more on paramedics, and more on TTC. That's what's driving the increase in the budget, but we are still paying less per citizen because we're growing as a city, but we're not keeping up to that. I disagree. I mean, here's a fact for you. Those are just numbers, Stephen. That's city documents I looked at them today. and, And wages do increase, and those are large cost drivers in the budget. But if you look at something as simple as the the current uh, provincial government reduced daycare subsidies by 186 seats, right? There's 30,000 daycare subsidies out of 80,000 daycare spots. And what did city council do? We picked up the cost of the of the 186 seats and put it onto the tax roll. It's worth about about a million dollars. I don't remember the exact number. Next year, it's forecasted that the provincial government is going to cut out about a thousand daycare subsidies. Now, I, I can appreciate the argument for a daycare subsidy. I had, you know, I had kids that went through the daycare system. I know how expensive it is. But the argument I made to council is, we're taking on the work that the provincial government is responsible for. So, if citizens are upset with the reduction in daycare subsidies, go to Queens Park and complain about it. Oh, stop! But it we already. make it too easy, and we end up supplementing it with the with property tax money, and that's not the right vehicle to pay for those type of those type of services. All right, so uh, what is your complaint, Sherman? Well, my complaint is to listen to this discussion about daycare. You know, a couple of years ago, the Liberal government put in junior kindergarten. It's here to stay. That's just fine. And it was, um, amongst other things, considered to be a partial supplanting of a need for daycare because it took care of kids who were uh, coming out of the three-year-old stage. I understand that people uh, need care for their kids underneath that age. I want to know at what point people are going to realize that they live in a city where a basic home is around a million dollars that is growing to a point where you can't get around it, at least not as long as we all want to drive our own cars, which apparently we do, uh, where we think we're going to be at uh, 10 million by 2030, which is less than 10 years from now. But the budget has to address daycare because, God, the the, uh, the provincial guys don't want to keep up with daycare. What would you like me to do aside from that? Buy a crib? Now, that's one side of the argument. Uh, I don't want to sound completely insensitive. The other side of the argument is... is going to cost me, if I have a $703,000 evaluation on my home, $128 a year. And my total tax bill is going to be $3,141. Show me where else in the province you can do that. Because the last house that I owned... Uh, was in Niagara on the Lake, and it was uh, it was worth a, a decent amount of money, but it wasn't some millionaire's house. And uh, I think the valuation on it was somewhere in the vicinity of nine hundred thousand dollars, and I paid eighty five hundred bucks tax. You don't do that in Toronto. Well, that's so I, always I, the argument, though, isn't it, that the surrounding areas yeah. in the nine hundred five are paying far more, uh, you know, as a, a percentage of the value of the house. Ah, but they left out things like the amortized cost of land transfer tax that we charge extra every time you trade a house. And so you pay that uniquely in Toronto. I'm not sure they've included the prices that we charge for garbage bins, for water rates, uh, for all the other uh, fees and charges that we charge people that may not be equitable in those places. 
And there is an economy in scale in a city of this size. So you can't say that the cost to deliver services at this economy of scale is the same in those different places. We can agree and that it's not an apples to apples out. thing. It's no, not apples no, it's to true. apples. And, and, and I'm just surprised, Peter, because this is often what the left side of the council comes out and says, you know, our taxes are so low here, we should just raise them. And I turn to them and say, for what? Well, for what purpose? And I'll tell you, the purpose is not to enhance the services directly to the citizens in Toronto. You're not going to get your your, plow, your roads plowed faster or the grass cut more often. It's to fund these other programs that all have to do with income transfer. And that's what frustrates me is that it doesn't belong in this order of government for that type of activity. Those things are well suited for the federal and provincial government and the policies and tax vehicles that they have to move that money around. Well, I'm not jumping onto the left uh, uh, on the one hand. On the other hand, when I see 3141 bucks, and I know that there are other charges, and uh, where when I lived outside of Toronto, I've paid other charges as well. I would love to have an apples-to-apples reading because... Wherever I look, it seems to me that even after you total all of those charges, save and except perhaps for the home transfer tax, which is contentious anyway, uh, you still got a, a deal in Toronto if you discount the fact that the houses are ridiculous in price. All right. Let me just uh, sort of pivot away from that because, uh, you know, we've had these debates uh, almost ad infinitum or ad nauseum. But uh, when it comes to uh, some of the city's expenses with its workforce, you were saying wages are a large component of that. Uh there's a potential for an outside and an inside workers lockout or strike in exactly a week. Feb 27 is a drop-dead date because the city went out and got the no-board report, right? Basically putting the people on the clock, the union on the that's, clock. That's correct. I mean, that is a step in uh, in uh, bargaining process. That puts both the city and the union in a position that the city can lock out or the union can strike. They had their strike vote earlier on, and often those things occur in a negotiation, not because it's going to happen imminently, but it does raise the pressure for both parties to come to a, uh, a solution. It's kind of like turning on the clock. Sure. And if things are stalling, that, that yeah. puts some urgency there. But a it timeline. Is, it is very true. Uh, next Thursday is a very important date because that is the first eligible moment for this to happen. Right. And we could see, you know, uh, garbage not being picked up, uh, Zambonis not running at the rinks, that kind of, really, I know that's the unkindest cut of all. Believe me, that got my attention. <laughs> but yesterday when I'm talking to the head of uh, 416, the QP local on Laird, uh, there was a line item there that uh, they're they're negotiating on benefits four hundred twenty thousand for Viagra and other such drugs. David Wills, what do you think's going on down at the local? <laughs> Maybe not enough. Uh, like <laughs> the if you want to, look he at wants it that to way. join. The, I I don't need to join Peter. So the uh, whoa, look at you uh, bragging on. Yeah, look at that <laughs> with my bigger than Trump hands here. Yeah, the uh, you know I think though you know. You know, jokes aside on on pharmaceuticals, what they include in and out of the the drug plans are, if that's a medical condition, it should be uh, included in. It's a you know, it pops out. Oh, sorry, that was uh, you know, that was unintended. You, you worked on that. Uh, I know it uh, was. I'm, no, but four hundred twenty thousand uh, dollars. Yep. You know, I looked at that and I said, wait a minute. Well, how many prescriptions? I have no idea what it costs. So, so there's so. an auditor general's report on this, and it so happens I'm chair of the audit committee and remember this report. And one of the things the auditor general found were there were instances where individuals had made claims for an unbelievable amount of Viagra pills. Something that, like, you know, it doesn't make any medical sense for a single person to take that many pills. And you have to raise the question, if there's no limit on the number of pills and prescriptions, where's this stuff going, They're right? selling them, man. Well, well I, you know, but that, in that case, it, that was fraud, and it was caught, and those people were dealt with. 
the you know that's a different issue than what what John's talking about. No, here. but having an unlimited cap on some of these. Well, things I thought that was is, fixed is, as is part of issue. that. Well, no, but because the things like caps have to be introduced on uh, labor negotiation fronts. A an, an parallel example is the auditor found that with children's insoles in shoes, orthotics, there is no limit, and I think she found instances where there were uh, kids that re- received thirty pairs of insoles in a year, and it wasn't logical. And so I think there's a proposal, and this is public, this is something I've read on the internet, you know, that to reduce that to two per year. Now, I don't know if that's the right answer, but having some sense of limitation in these things is a logical step. And I would, you know, I think it wouldn't be contentious, but maybe these things are at the bargaining table. Yeah, I was going to ask you, you know, are you getting pushback on that, suggesting limitations on the amount of Viagra pills that are churned out per member? Uh, I don't know how you explain it, well, right? Like it just <laughs> really uh, certainly not to the wife at home. Anyway, uh, <laughs> that becomes the real issue. That's the sticking point. Then you got a real negotiation. You're going to need mediation for sure. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.